1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Thank you for tuning in on this Thanksgiving episode of the podcast. So uh, Thanksgiving, uh, today is, is the 22nd, it is the day before Thanksgiving, and it's Thanksgiving Eve, which really isn't a holiday, except for maybe the grocery stores. If Black Friday is the day when all the retailers get on the right side of the ledger, then based upon my experience at a few shopping plazas this morning and afternoon, today is the day when all the grocers and the liquor stores and everyone else purveying food, flowers, or beverage gets out of the black because these parking lots were absolutely mobbed. But I'm recording on the day before Thanksgiving after a relatively long week, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. And hopefully you will permit me to deviate slightly from the normal content of the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast. We're still going to talk fly fishing. In fact, I'm going to talk a lot about fly fishing. But, you know, something that this podcast explores, as I said at the introduction, as I've said the introduction of every podcast up to this point, is I talk about the quarry and the culture of fly fishing. And if we're going to be honest, it's a lot more about the culture. It's a lot more about the stuff that gets you to the river, the experience while you're on the river. And then after you finally landed and released that fish, or hey, if it so uh, tickles your fancy, bonked it on the head and thrown it in your creel to eat it later, everything that comes after that. Those things are just as important. Those are the kind of things that, uh, well, to be very frank, I'm thankful for. And those are the kind of things that I feel like I can bring a new and fresh perspective to the table. Uh, there's a lot of content out there about how. How do you catch fish? How do you approach fish? And of course, casting across is a lot about that. You look back in the last few episodes of the podcast, and you see plenty of content about how to catch fish. You get on the website, and the vast majority of the articles that have been published on Casting Across for over eight years are about how to catch fish, what I look for in a rod, what I look for in a fly, what I look for when I approach the river. But when I look at a rod, when I look at a fly, when I look at a river, there's a lot more to it than the pragmatic aspect of how that rod casts, about how that fly floats, about what that river current means to get me to a fish. And so that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today, particularly in the context of thankfulness. So I'm going to talk about a few things that I'm thankful for. And again, they're going to have to do with fly fishing. So they very well may have a significant uh, point of connection and contact with you, or they could be completely different, but give it a whirl. It's going to be a shorter podcast because 
things are busy. But I am thankful for fly fishing. Uh, fly fishing has has done more for me in 25 years than a lot of other hobbies uh, could, and I think uh, would be even be capable of. Uh, for example, these last eight years casting across, writing two articles a week. Initially, it was three articles a week, and then it, it dialed back to two once I integrated the podcast into into the the, the rotation. Uh, has kept me thinking about fly fishing and the minutia. And so I'm thankful for casting across. I'm thankful for this little website and podcast and, and thing that I do because it allows me to think about fly fishing on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis, even when I go stretches without getting on the water. And it's great because, well, for one thing, it means that when I get on the water, I don't feel like it is a foreign thing. Even if I go a long stretch without fishing or a long stretch without trout fishing, for example, it keeps it rolling in the back of my mind. The best thing I can compare it to is when you have a really good friend where if you were to call that person after three or six or months or even a year, uh, you're going to pick up right where you left off. And for me, casting across is like that. Being able to write about fly fishing keeps it rolling at the back of my mind at a nice, steady simmer. Now, I don't ever go three or six or nine months or certainly a year without fishing, but uh, I'm thankful that this is a habit that I have developed and cultivated that keeps fly fishing in my frame of vision uh, as, as I go about my relatively busy life. And so uh, this is something that I would encourage you to do, uh, you know, and it doesn't need to be writing. It doesn't need to be podcasting. In fact, I would I would actually uh, say really consider if, if you want to do something like that. A lot of blogs and websites rise and fall in a short order. And I'm not saying there's something inherently virtuous about continuing a, a website for eight years. But uh, there's other things you can do, and that could be reading books, keeping a consistent rotation of books that you read. It could be making a habit of stopping at a fly shop once a month, even if you don't need anything. You always need flies, and you're going to find that that conversation and uh, the time spent there is going to yield benefits that go beyond just a little tiny plastic cup or a little paper box if you have a more eco-friendly fly shop. Uh, It's going to go well beyond that. So that would be my encouragement to you. I am thankful that I have something in my life that keeps fly fishing as a steady uh, backbeat to everything else I do. It is not the driving factor. It is not the most important thing. It is not the all-consuming aspect of my life. But because I've made a commitment to myself and at a much, much lesser degree to to you, because I don't think anyone is out there holding my feet to the fire about casting across. It really is uh, originating from, from within myself. I'm thankful that I have this thing that keeps fly fishing uh, in my mind, in my life, in a way that uh, that would be kind of unthinkable if uh, unless I was maybe working in the field once again. But on a, a, a related note, I'm also thankful for the fly fishing culture. Um, as you know, if, if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, I'm in ministry. I'm a pastor. At present, I'm a, a pastor of a church in New Hampshire, and I'm actually still working kind of sort of almost part-time at a church in Massachusetts, the church that planted the church in New Hampshire. And so my world in many ways is consumed with with my churches, which is awesome, and I love it. Um, but having the relationships that I do have in the fly fishing world uh, provide me a fantastic opportunity for a diverse 
range of interaction with people all across the country. Um, at, at a very practical level, it looks like this. I get an email from somebody, from you, from from, from a listener who's on the other side of, of the country, or from somebody who is maybe down in Virginia or Pennsylvania or Arkansas, one of the places that I've spent a lot of time fishing. So we have some things in common and we have a conversation. It might even be just a back and forth of two to three emails, but I really enjoy that. It, it also goes to the the extent of you know, seeing people at fly fishing shows that read Casting Across, that listen to Casting Across, and just being able to have a pleasant handshake and a smile and a conversation. Uh, that kind of thing, it, it's awesome how it expands the reach of my circles uh, in a way that I wouldn't or, ordinarily do. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll coach Little League, and so I'll have these opportunities to kind of go out in the world. I've gotten involved in some civic uh, matters here in some of the towns that I live and work in, so I have those opportunities. But at this stage in life, when things are very, very busy, my world has kind of become a little more insular. And so fly fishing always gives me a line into the outside world. Uh, and, and so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for folks who who contribute to Casting Across by listening and reading. And I'm thankful for those who kind of feed Casting Across by making things, by writing things, by producing content. Um, I'm thankful for these lines in both direction um, to those who receive what I do and what I receive from those who do. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. I'm thankful for my new house. So uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, I moved. So I no longer live in Massachusetts. I live far, far away in New Hampshire. As the crow flies, it's probably less than 20 miles. I think U-Haul said it was 17 miles, in fact. But it's a totally different world. Uh, I lived uh, in a house that we were very blessed to have. It was a house that we bought with the intention of being conveniently located to the highway, to a lot of the surrounding neighborhoods and communities and to be able to host. And in fact, that's worked out in a really spectacular way as a, a group that was meeting in my house, a young adult group, um, folks in there like 18 to 28 uh, demographic um, were, were meeting for Bible study. What started off as like five or six was up in the 30s uh, over the last uh, half year or so. And this house was able to accommodate that uh, for the last few years. And I, I just, I'm so blessed to have that. My kids really uh, made good relationships. It was a nice quiet street. At the same time, the yard was like a postage stamp and with four boys and every one of them into the woods and into being outdoors and into shooting and exploring and building. It just wasn't going to cut it. Uh, and, and with this move to this church up in New Hampshire, we saw it as an opportunity to to make a move. And so although the real estate market is a little bit ridiculous these days, and although it's a very, very busy time of life, we found a home and a property that fits our needs. And it is two acres is what we own. And it's at the kind of the back corner of a relatively modest development. Um, and it backs up to over 200 acres of conservation land. And as I wrote about on Monday's article, after about 150, 200 yards of walk, you run into a river. Okay. So uh, I'm thankful for that. Now, part two of that, I'm thankful for this river. Now, I have never, I'll take that back. I fished this river one time. I fished this river, I believe it's downstream. It's these New England rivers are really hard to kind of uh, figure out where they go. These smaller, swampy rivers, you, you, they, they go in both directions. They go sometimes they go in all four directions. It's hard to figure out what's upstream and what's downstream. So I think I've fished downstream, uh, but uh, I, I don't 
I didn't catch a single thing. I had a very curious little mink swim around me, which was the most exciting thing of that of that trip, I believe. Uh, but so this is not the kind of river that I would like make a habit of going to. It certainly isn't a destination spot. But now it's in my backyard. Uh, with a short walk, I'm on a river that holds trout. It holds trout, certainly in the winter months, is stocked with trout. And uh, from electrofishing surveys, it has eastern brook trout that swim in this river. So I now have, within walking distance of my house, uh, adjacent to my property with a relative uh, uh, private uh, aspect to it, I have a trout river in my backyard. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm you know, thankful that this river is not the kind of river that I would choose to live on. Uh, I, now, I'm not saying that in any sort of derogatory way, but uh, you know, if I had my choice, I'd I'd, I'd choose to live on some sort of blue ribbon stream. I'd choose to live like I used to live uh, in Pennsylvania on some of the premier uh, spring creeks uh, where I was within walking distance of some of the, the best fishing that you'll find in the mid-Atlantic. Um, but with that came kind of a, a um, let's say, the assumption that it was going to go well and a awareness of exactly what I was going to do. I'm going to have to work at this water, I anticipate. I, I might get skunked the first half dozen times out. I don't know. Or I could find that because I have a relatively remote uh, uh, access point uh, where there's not a lot of other people and it's not the kind of river anyone's going to be floating necessarily, that I might find a lot of fish. I have no clue what I'm going to find. I know that after hunting season, I'm going to do a lot more exploring of this river, but I'm thankful that this is something new and different and challenging and that my boys are going to grow up on a trout stream that's going to ask a lot of them if they're going to uh, be successful and they're going to have to learn. Uh, my first trout streams that I encountered when I was a teenager uh, were, were rivers where you saw fish and you, you sight fished these fish and uh, just because you know a, a blind squirrel catches a nut every once in a while, you caught these fish because you were just casting in front of them. Uh, a very different situation, a very different set of um, uh, of circumstances that you, you you see here than you do what, what, what I grew up with. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for, for that kind of set of situations and circumstances that my boys are going to be able to experience and that I am going to experience. All right. Well, continuing on, other things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for duck hunting. Here's why I'm thankful for duck hunting. And again, hopefully you're, you're seeing that this, I'm talking about what I'm thankful for, but Maybe you're being encouraged to think about the things that you do or don't do in a in a way that uh, can can maybe give you ideas of how to approach the outdoors. But okay, thankful for dunk hunting. Why am I thankful for duck hunting? Well, one, they're delicious. Secondly, it has given me an opportunity to be outdoors in very small doses. So my duck hunting consists of you know four thirty in the morning to about eight thirty in the morning. Uh, on a weekday, which means that I now get to have what is, in effect, a full trip before I even walk into the office. Uh, I've never in kind of never approached fly fishing that way. Certainly in this stage in life, when I was a young man, you know, twenty years ago, um, I, I I went fishing, you know, before work or after work in these really small spurts. But with kids, that's quite difficult. You know, every hour matters. But if you're already going to be in the office early, then earlier doesn't doesn't really matter. So uh, I appreciate how that has brought and not just a diverse outdoor opportunity to me, but a diverse outdoor opportunity that can really incorporate into my life in a seamless way. One of the things that I've written about for years and talked about for a long time is taking advantage of your margin time. And sometimes that margin time is a lunch break. Sometimes that margin time is a drive home. 
but uh, you can create those natural margins and and really cultivate your opportunities in those uh, in order to get out and do what you want to do uh, and, and the things that you enjoy more in a way that doesn't necessarily compromise your other responsibilities. And so for me, duck hunting has provided that in a way that fly fishing really hasn't been able to in the last few years. So it's not the same thing, obviously, uh, but it gets me outside. It gets me uh, with my friends, which in, in, in a um, really social way that fly fishing hasn't been for me in a long time. And it, it gets me doing something outdoors that kind of bends my mind in a way that fly fishing doesn't. Inevitably, I see lots of fish when I'm out duck hunting. Um, fish I wouldn't uh, really pursue or places I wouldn't look for fish when I am out with a fly rod or in a, in a kayak fishing. And so it kind of adds that complimentary note and it gets me thinking outside the box. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful for how ducks taste and, and really has brought this other kind of um, aspect to to my appreciation for the outdoors uh, you know you pay attention to new things i mean you think about if you're a fly fisher you you see certain things you see pockets you see pools you see runs you see riffles you see you know dimples on the surface from trout rising you see mayflies from, and caddis flitting about as you as you drive and as you walk and as you hike you notice these things well incorporating duck hunting into my life over the last few seasons it's really been that same thing but now i'm looking for swamps and i'm looking for bird on the wing and i'm i'm listening to to noises of of wings and flight and and honks and quacks and stuff like that and it's just it's created this this much more rich approach to taking in the outdoors so i'm very thankful for that all right now diverting things a bit we're getting back to fly fishing though don't worry uh, i'm thankful for my family i cannot begin to express how supportive my family is. And and even in these last few days, if we've been demolishing and renovating our house, just how hard uh, my family has worked, my wife, my mother, my boys, and then beyond that, my, my greater family, my church family, the, the, the help and the assistance and the gifts that have come from them have just been humbling and encouraging and in some very stressful and very trying times have, uh, have just been that, that tangible blessing that you know is always there, but you really don't appreciate until times get difficult. You know that's something that I, I talk about, and, and here's here's where uh, casting across and 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 Pastor Matt kind of uh, meld into one. But one of the things that we don't appreciate is stuff that is always there. When things are hard, when uh, you don't know where you're going to be sleeping uh, at night because uh, the closing isn't going at the time frame that you wanted to at four thirty-five on a Friday. Uh, you don't think about things. And, and I would say even more specifically, you don't pray about things in the same way that you do on a normal day. Um, but to, to appreciate the fact that so many of the blessings that we have, our ability to get out, the, our ability to fish, our ability to access public water, our ability to, to have flexibility in our time, flexibility in our budget, flexibility with our family, those things are things that we don't necessarily appreciate until we don't have them. And there's been various things over these last few weeks where I'm, it's just been out of my control. And one of the things I've said to people is it's the, the benefit of knowing you're not in control is that you're reminded that you're never in control. So, of course, you have control over small things. But uh, we always have, well, I would say we usually have this illusion that we're truly in control of things when the fact of the matter is we're, we're actually in control of very little. And so I'm actually thankful for that. I know that started with being thankful for my family. 
kind of morphed into being thankful for my friends and my church, and really ultimately being thankful to the Lord for his provision and his his um, his steadfast uh, loving kindness uh, to, to me and to my family, to my church, and ultimately to all to all those who 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 are in him. So there you go. That's the Thanksgiving episode of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. A little bit different, a little bit spur of the moment and spontaneous, but here we are. I have no floor on the first floor of my house. All of my belongings are in my giant, oh, I'm so excited about this, my giant garage. Um, This is my only day in the office this week. And so today is the day when you are getting it, and I'm talking about the things that pop into my mind. Are there other things I'm thankful for? Of course there's other things I'm thankful for. I'm very thankful for the food I'm going to enjoy tomorrow. I'm very thankful for the freedoms we have in this country. I'm very thankful for my library as I sit surrounded by books. I'm just thankful for them. They make me happy. Um, And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for anyone who's listened to this for 19 minutes and 25 seconds. I'm thankful to all those who subscribe to the podcast, those who um, subscribe to the website. And uh, I, I genuinely mean that. I don't say that because it is the kind of thing you expect to say. I am genuinely thankful for you. So uh, from me, uh, from my family, because they are part of Casting Across, uh, thank thank you, but also have a very happy Thanksgiving. This is being released. It will be released on the evening of Thanksgiving. But uh, hey, the sentiment remains the same if you're listening to it on Black Friday as you are driving to Walmart to elbow other shoppers to get that big screen TV or if you are listening to it as you doze off in a food coma on Thanksgiving night. Uh, Thank you for being a part of the Casting Across fly fishing community. This week on castingacross.com, the first article that came out was called The River Will Wait. And so kind of reiterating what I talked about earlier in the podcast, I now have a river in my backyard uh, and I want to get out there. I want to wade into it, especially on some of these balmy 55 degree uh, November days and see what I can uh, drum up. But uh, I just can't right now. One, I don't know the area well enough and it's hunting season. Uh, And two, I just don't have the time. So it's going to, I'm going to get out there and it's probably going to be in the next few weeks, but I'm excited to know that it's there just beyond a couple of groves of pine trees. Wednesday's article is called Black Fly Day. Black Fly Day. And uh, that has everything to do with the idea of starting a new tradition. I've written in numerous ways about times you can get out and fish. And one of those days that for years and years I would take advantage of was the day after Thanksgiving. Um, when, when I was younger, when I didn't have as many responsibilities, when I could kind of just get up and go, I would go all sorts of places on the day after Thanksgiving. It used to be one of the weekends I would go up to fish the Erie tributaries. Um, I found some other places that I would fish for, for other years also, but, uh, you have the water to yourself and, and primarily because uh, it's usually nasty weather. And secondly, everyone's busy. And so you, you, you kind of have the water to yourself. So that's part of why I wrote this article. But there's three other things that I talk about, reasons why you can get out and you should get out or consider getting out even for a little bit of time on Black Friday and make it your very own Black Fly Day. All right, this week's recommendation on the podcast. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because I'm looking at it right now. There's countless Black Friday uh, sale emails that are coming into my various inboxes. My ministry inboxes have all of the book sales, which are incredibly tempting. My personal email address has all of the you know Home Depot and Lowe's and all that sort of stuff. And then my Casting Across stuff is all the fly fishing brands are inundating me with uh, with with sale events that are happening now. 
And so the one I'm going to recommend uh, right now is Costa Del Mar. Uh, I'm looking at it because they've had a couple that have come through. And even if you're listening to this at some random time, and man, if you've listened to a Thanksgiving podcast, say in like June, then you get my sincere thanks. Um, but Costa does run sales from time to time. And I know a lot of people who think that the price of premium sunglasses is exorbitant. And to a certain degree, it is. But in the grand scheme of things, it, it runs parallel with, I mean, I'm looking at my Patagonia jacket and I'm looking at my uh, Sperry loafers and things like that. And it, it's not completely out of whack compared to things like that or the, the microphone I'm talking into, the computer I'm looking at. There's expensive stuff all around us, right? Um, but if you wait for a sale, that's when it works. And Costa Del Mar usually has lots of sales. Right now, it's like 50% off on a handful of their of their uh, frames and lenses, which is a great sale. So what I'm going to say now, if you listen to this live, you can hop on and find a great deal. But I would just say subscribe. You know, Most of these websites, they're going to send you a lot of emails, but whether you use a burner account for all of your, your marketing stuff, or you don't mind you know, deleting emails every once in a while, just pay attention because uh, like I've said before, Costa Del Mar, I absolutely think they're the, the best sunglasses out there, the fit, the features, but most importantly, those glass lenses. Those glass lenses are what make it all worthwhile. Um, and if you have one pair or if you have a couple pairs, um, you know, first of all, they're going to be cheaper than your fly rods. Uh, secondly, they're going to do wonders for your time on the water. And uh, if you've always just fished with scratched up plastic lenses, you do not know what you're missing. It is it's it's worth the money, especially if it's only a little bit of money because you get them on sale. So I'll put a link to uh, if they have a sale page, then that'll be a, a static link. But if it's a dynamic link and it goes away, then it'll still take you to their website, uh, inevitably with a you know, not found link, but just keep an eye on that. If you're looking to find something good for your eyes, thanks for listening to the casting across fly fishing podcast, please subscribe to your favorite app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.